Good morning. I got to fix my microphone. I was trying to do it all by myself, my lonesome self in that side room. All right, I got it on. Okay, um, I'm excited. We're, we're exploring the book of 1 John together this morning. Uh, this is a new series. Uh, like Josh said, we have free journals. Um, these are for you. If you're joining us via live stream, we want you to have one of these. We tried to think of everyone who is joining us via live stream, and we, tr- we mailed them to you. Um, if you did not receive one today, you should receive one tomorrow, or yesterday, you should receive one tomorrow. If you don't receive one tomorrow and you want one and you're going to continue to join via live stream, please let us know. Email us at info at localchurchstpete.com and we'll send you one or however many you need. Um, so these are for you. We want you to have these. We want you to use them in your personal time of devotion, but also to take notes during our time here together. So if you would, open your journals and your Bibles to the book of First John. With church communities shaken by the actions of one-time followers of Jesus who had now embraced something else, the Apostle John, he writes to bring a little clarity and a whole lot of assurance. Okay, so maybe you've been shaken by the actions of someone else. And in particular, maybe you've been shaken by the actions of one-time followers of Jesus. Or maybe you've started to drift away from faith in Jesus. But regardless of your experience in the past or present, John, the Apostle John, invites us into this breathtaking wonder of the shared life in full joy that he experienced firsthand in Jesus. That's what he's inviting us into. Shared life in full joy that he experienced firsthand. With that in mind, let's pray. Father, would you, would you ready our hearts to receive all that you have for us? Would you help us to, to lean in? To receive your word is just that, your word. <laughs> that we'd listen, that we'd pay attention, that we'd be moved by it, that you would bring conviction, that you'd bring transformation that you'd bring assurance and clarity, all these things that the Apostle John wanted to bring to this group of churches. Lord, it's been my prayer, Lord, for us, local church, St. Pete, that you would do that through this letter. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, let me give you a little background uh, about 1 John. 1 John is a unique letter. I know it's a book of the Bible. We call it a book of the Bible, but it's, it's a letter. And it, there, there is no opening greeting of this letter. And there's Uh, The closing remarks are not what you might think um, a letter would have, but it is a letter. And it does, when you read it, feel a lot like a a poetic sermon at times because it's filled with repetition. It's filled with stark contrasts and images that are meant to help us understand the deep truths of the faith, to help us run with it, images that stick. And we'll see that as we explore this book. I, I don't want us to let the size of this letter, of this book, uh, really um, fool us. Or don't let the simplicity of what John says fool us. It is a brilliant letter. And it encapsulates the truths of faith in Jesus like no other book in the Bible. And so it's written by the Apostle John. 
He also wrote the Gospel of John, and he was one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples. So John is undoubtedly drawing from one of Jesus' final discourses in the Gospel of John. We see it in John 13 through 17. You can check that out. In fact, I'd encourage you, uh, in your own private time of devotions, read John 13 through 17 in the Gospel of John. What is John's goal in writing 1 John? Why is he writing this letter? He's pastoring. He is truly shepherding a church. Or we could say a group of churches. Most of these churches would have uh, met in houses. And so he's reminding them, he's encouraging them to stay true to what they've already believed. Because here's the deal. Some people had gone out from them and walked away from truths of Jesus and were now leading others astray. Oh, they, they still believed in Jesus, but they were embracing uh, false doctrine. They were embracing um, things that were not, not only not healthy, but were just wrong and, and were a distortion of the truths of Christ. And so he's writing uh, to these people that he loves. He wants to equip them. He wants to encourage them. He wants to protect them. They're a shaken community. Imagine if that happened here at local church St. Pete. Imagine, God forbid, that some here were were to kind of uh, come out from us and embrace these doctrines that are not true of Christ at all and start to spread it in this community. You can imagine that this group of churches was, was shaken by that. And so what would you say to a group of people that you love, that you love dearly, but are a bit shaken and who need assurance, what would you say? This is what John says. John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it. And testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And we'll stop there. Two things I I pray we see here. First, there's this eyewitness announcement that John brings. In other words, he's saying, we saw it happen. And we'll get to the it in a moment. What did he see happen? And then second, open invitation. We not only saw it happen, we actually, we want to share it with you. We're not content with only seeing it happen. We actually want to share it with you. So first, eyewitness announcement. God's life has been made known to us, is what John is saying. God's life has been made known to us. We saw eternal life. And so like an eyewitness taking a stand in a court of law, the Apostle John speaks about what he and the other apostles had experienced firsthand. It's testimony, but it's announcement. And so like, a bit like a a proud father announcing the birth of his son or daughter. He's arrived! There's a special announcement, or maybe like a good friend who's just come back from the trip of their lifetime, and they want to tell you all about it. They're showing you pictures. You're getting a little jealous because it's beautiful. 
But they're announcing this to you, this amazing trip, trying to put into words what was so breathtaking to them. And that's what John is doing here. The apostles are sent ones. That's what apostle means. They're sent ones. They're eyewitnesses to the life, to the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and they're called to bear witness. They're called to testify. And that's what John is doing. When he says we, he's talking about that apostolic authority, that apostolic witness. In verses 1 through 4, it's actually one long sentence in the Greek. It is a highly compressed and complicated sentence. And if we're not careful, we can read it and just kind of move on too quickly. And so I want us to slow down. In fact, we're going to, we're going to slow down quite a bit in this letter so that we can absorb really what's being proclaimed here, what's being announced. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning. Pause. Is he speaking of Jesus' birth or the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry? His self-revelation. That which was from the beginning. Or is he speaking of Jesus' pre-existence? That's what I think he's speaking of. Jesus' pre-existence. And I get that from his gospel. John writes in John chapter 1, if you will turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Go down to verse 14. And the word, oh, the one I've been speaking of, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John writes his gospel. He opens it this way. He speaks. It's an echo of Genesis 1. I don't know if you've picked up on that. Where Genesis speaks of creation. And here in John, he speaks of this new creation in Christ. Now in 1 John, he's leaning on his gospel and he's speaking of the one who's always been, the preexistent one. Jesus is that which was from the beginning. The one who has always been, the uncreated one, the eternal who stepped into space and time to take on the stuff we're made of. Experienced the temporal. He goes on, which we have heard, in which we have seen with our eyes. Pause. Okay. This is firsthand experience. That's what this is. They were there when Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God. They heard him like you're hearing me today. And Jesus actually told them in Matthew 13, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. They heard. They heard his teaching. They saw with their own eyes the countless miracles and wonders that Jesus performed. They were eyewitnesses. Now, Jesus even even tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that they will be eyewitnesses. Go with me uh, to Acts chapter 1. 
In verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's what he told the apostles. You will be my witnesses. And then later in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John are proclaiming the Christ and they're told to stop and they said, we can't help it. We have to speak of what we have seen and of what we have heard. They're like, are you kidding me? I have to tell you about this. And so what we have in 1 John chapter 1, this isn't some ranting of a delusional man or the opinion of some guy off the street. This isn't secondhand material. This is not speculation. Okay, this is eyewitness testimony of one who had personal experience and tangible proof. That's what this is. So as real as I'm standing in front of you today, Jesus stood in front of John. John was the one at that last supper who leaned on Jesus' chest, was close to him. And it goes on to say, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Pause. Remember when Jesus invited the disciples to touch him? We learned about this last Sunday in Luke 24. Touch me and see, Jesus said. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Goes on. All of this, John writes, is concerning the word of life. Now, what is the word of life? What is this? Word of life. It's the gospel message. It's another way to describe a message that has been embodied in a person. People debate, is this the proclamation of of Jesus or is he speaking of Jesus? Yes. This is the message that has been embodied in a person and that person is Jesus. So this is all concerning the word of life, the gospel about Jesus the Christ. In other words, you could say word of life could, could also be said this way, life turned into speech. Or maybe you've heard it this way, the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Have you ever thought this? Man, I wish God would just say something. Would just speak. Would just reveal himself. Would just make himself known. If he would only make himself known, then the world would believe. If he'd only speak, then we'd hear. Then we'd obey. Well, this is God's self-revelation. This is God's communication. This Jesus is everything that God wants to say to you. God has taken the initiative in Christ. He's made himself known. And that's what they go on to say in verse 2, what John goes on to say. The life was made manifest. The life I'm speaking of, it was made manifest, made known, put on full display, public display. Have you ever watched those fixer-upper shows? I'm sure you have. They get addicting. And you see this terrible house that needs work, and every, you know, they're, uh, they, they renovate it, they make it new, and then all we're waiting for is that big reveal. You know? And then there's a commercial break, a long commercial break, and we're like, show the house already. Commercial's done, and we're, we're waiting to see the house. We want to see... Everything uh, all made new. But we also want to see the response of the owners of the house, right? 
And I love it because usually it's a combination of laughter, joy, and just tears. Like, oh, this is everything I ever wanted. You know, and they're just crying and they're, they're so overwhelmed with joy, they don't know if they should laugh or cry. I think that's how we should respond by the truths we're exploring today. Life has been, manif- been revealed. Everything we've been longing for, all that God has wanted to say to us has been made known, manifested, publicly put on display. How? When? In Jesus. In Jesus. And so John speaks of the eternal life. Speaking of Jesus, one author uh, interprets the phrase the eternal life this way, the age to come. He talks about the future having burst into the present in Christ. The very rescue that you and I need from the broken age that we live in and all the evil that comes with this age, it's been revealed in Jesus. It's been made manifest. That's so enormous. That is so breathtaking. It should create in us this this hushed awe and wonder. Hands over the mouth. We don't know if we should cry or laugh. And John says, we are eyewitnesses of that life. That life. In other words, we've been so captured by it, so transformed by its beauty and glory and promise, and now we want you to experience it. We want you to experience what it means for your life here and now and forever. That's what John wanted for the churches he was writing, and that's what I want for you. I want that for me. I want to walk in that. They were moved to proclaim. He's... In other words, we got to testify. We can't not testify. We can't not announce this, this breathtaking wonder. It's interesting. In John 17, Jesus prayed this way in verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. He's praying to the Father. That they know you, the only true God, And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. That they know you. And not just a head nod knowledge, but an experiential knowledge that leads to transformation. That's rooted in relationship. When someone stands up in a crowded room and they say, we have an announcement to make. It gets everyone's attention, right? And usually it's good news. We have an announcement to make. We're getting married. And everyone's like, aww. Or we have an announcement to make. I don't know. You th- we won the lottery. I don't know. You just come up with something on your own. We, we're, we're having a baby. Um, here's the deal. John is getting everyone's attention by announcing what he's announcing. And this is what he's announcing. The eternal life which was with the Father and was made known to us, the life that we have seen and heard, this is the life we are proclaiming to you. Let me break it down. Jesus stepped into our mess to bring life. And so we, local church St. Pete, we cannot keep this to ourselves. Why would we? I mean, it's like finding the vaccine to COVID and being all hush-hush about it. Who would do that? Hopefully no one. 
No way. It's better than that. Life. Eternal life. Second, open invitation. And this is where John's going with it all. He's, he's had this eyewitness testimony. Man, he's got the credentials. He, he's bearing witness. He's announcing what he has seen and heard. He was there. And now there's this open invitation. He spoke of this life that he had touched and seen, and now he wants us to experience it. In other words, why, why John, are you telling us this? What's the reason? Because I want you to share in this life that I've come to experience in Jesus. That's why. That you, he writes, that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. This fellowship that John writes about, what is this? It's the Greek word, you might have heard it, uh, koinonia. It's thrown around a lot in Christian circles. It's fellowship, but not like fellowship as in let's go uh, grab some chips and soda at the end of our time together. It's not just hanging out, playing games, and eating food. This is, this is a deep sharing. It's a deep partnership. It's a commitment to a common task or a purpose. The word actually in the Greek could be used for a partnership in business or an agreement, but it goes further than that. Here, it involves an intimacy like that of a marriage. This is about relationship. It's about relationship with the living God. Think family. The family imagery is used, child of God, right? You become a part of the family of God. Sons, daughters. Family imagery is used throughout the New Testament. This is about relationship, fellowship. So think shared life, a sharing together. So there, there, there's always been a deep sharing of life between God the Father and God the Son. And we could add God the Holy Spirit. There's always been this deep sharing, this intimacy. You say, well, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is there one God or, or are there three? No, there's one God Expressed in three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And God is completely sufficient in and of himself. He needs nothing outside of himself. His very being is communal, we could say. And love, God is love. We'll explore that in weeks to come. And he's inviting us into that life, that love, that life, that community that is God. We're invited into that. Now, I could... Explain it with words like salvation or entering the kingdom of God. But John, the apostle, describes it this way. Fellowship, shared life, relationship. It's intimate. It's vibrant. It's a living, breathing relationship with God. And this should blow our minds. And it's actually available for anyone and everyone who would come to know God through Jesus so Jesus was manifested, he was put on display at a point in time in history, and John was a witness to it. And then Jesus made the way for this sharing, this partnership, this fellowship to become a reality for us even here and now. And so we're invited into that life. How do we enter that shared life with God? We could go to a number of different places in Scripture, but Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. By grace, unmerited, undeserved favor on your life through faith. 
this expressed trust and falling on God through repentance and faith. You're saying, I, I need you. I, I recognize my sinfulness. I recognize your provision of a way to be made right before you. And by faith, I, I fall on you. And then we realize that that faith is a gift from his hand, and so we can't even boast. And what do we boast in? The provision of a savior, of a rescuer, of Jesus. Galatians describes it like a relationship where we cry out, Abba, Father. This is an intimate term of, of, of trust and, and intimacy. Abba, Father. Now, we're children of God, enter into a family. Listen, this is what, this is what you've always longed for but have looked for in other places. This is what you have always longed for but are looked, you've looked in other places to try to satisfy. Those things, those people, those, it won't satisfy. This is what you were made for, a shared life with God. John understood that what unites followers of Jesus is what we actually have in common. So what do we have in common? The shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. We celebrate this in communion, the Lord's Supper. We, we break that body, we, 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 we recognize his broken body for us, and we, we drink that cup, all pointing us to the body and blood of Jesus that has provided forgiveness the salvation plan of Jesus himself to reconcile us to the Father. Think of this. That's our common bond, and it's a bond that is strong. I can't think of a stronger bond that we share. We share, and John is saying, I want you, whom he's writing to, to have fellowship with us to not drift away from what you've embraced in Christ. Do not veer, do not embrace what these other people have begun to fall prey to and embrace. Instead, have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. And that's what John is saying. You don't take what isn't yours. That's stealing. And you don't walk on someone's property unless you're invited to do so. That's trespassing. And you don't sit at someone's table at a restaurant that you don't know. That's just plain weird. <laughs> right? But when something is given to you or shared with you, it's rude not to take it. Well, something is being shared with you. Something you never could have accomplished on your own. Something you never could have earned in any way. It's being offered to you right now. And John has the authority to offer it to you. He's made clear that he has the authority to do it, and he's extending the invite. Think about this. You've ever, have you ever gone somewhere and you wonder if you should even be there? You know, maybe invited to a pool party or something. I don't know why I said pool party. It's August, that's why. Invited to a pool party, someone invites you and you wonder, um, man, does the owner know that I'm swimming in their pool? <laughs> I've done that a few times, actually. <laughs> yeah, friends invited me, okay? But then when you investigate a little bit more, you find out, okay, are you sure it's okay that we're all here? And so when your friend has the authority given from the owner, you know, this, all right, this is okay, we're good. We can grill out like everyone else is and swim here, and it's good with the owner. Listen, my whole point in telling that silly story is this. 
John has the authority to extend this breathtaking invitation into a shared life with God. He has the authority to do it. It's extended to us. If you have that shared life experience with God, if you're in relationship with the living God through his son, uh, John is wanting you to grow in your gratitude and deepen your assurance of what you already have. And if you don't, the invitation's extended to you right now to enter it, to enter that shared life, to experience the living God in a way you never have. And the truth is, church, we have now been given that authority to invite others to do the same. Don't be content standing on the edge. Don't be content being a spectator. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus did not say he is a way, a truth, and a life. That's relativism. Jesus is not one of many paths to the generic God in the sky. Jesus is the way. He made these exclusive truth claims. I didn't come up with this. I'm a follower of Jesus, and so I proclaim what he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Yes, that's exclusive, but guess what? You're invited. It's an exclusive truth claim made known to all and any who would by faith look to him. And so verse 4, he says, And we are writing these things so that our joy and yours may be complete. So he's writing so that uh, those churches would share in the life of God and have this relationship with the living God, but also so that our joy, he writes, and really it's ours and yours together, may, may be complete. He, he's writing for their joy and for his. In, in, in other words, we, it could be said this way. My joy is in some way incomplete unless you share in this reality with me. And, and isn't that true? We want others to experience this joy and this rest and the satisfaction that we have in, in our relationship with the living God. And so we should. We should be, be stirred. We should... Uh, Understand that uh, there's a bit of joy lacking uh, when we're not reaching out to others and inviting them in and when others aren't participating in this. And so this is what he wants for them. He wants them to share in the reality of Jesus and what he's experienced. I want you to think about the joy and fulfillment that you've been searching for in other things. And as soon as I said that, you know what those things are. Relationship, job, Money, success, status, grades, what have you. Your identity. I want you to think about the joy and fulfillment that you've been searching for in those things. All those things pale in comparison. They're a pale reflection of the real thing. And the real thing, John says, is right here. It's found here. The Apostle John, he's writing for clarity's sake. He wants the churches that he's writing to and caring for to see the beauty, the breathtaking wonder of a shared life with God. And he's testifying of what he has seen. He is the eyewitness, the one who is an eyewitness uh, to what's taken place. And he's saying, I want you to experience this. And he's writing for their assurance. And he's encouraging these churches that he loves to stay true to what they've already believed 
But at the same time, he's inviting others to experience it maybe for the first time. And I have to say, uh, in a room this size, there are people who've experienced the shared life that John writes about and are enjoying it, but need to uh, grow in their gratitude and in their assurance of that shared life. And then there are those who have not experienced that shared life. But you're invited today. Okay, so where are you at? Have you been shaken by the actions of others? Have you been shaken uh, by others who once proclaimed faith in Jesus but now have strayed and have embraced other things? Have you started to drift away from faith in Jesus? Have you grown indifferent? Have you grown cold? Have you grown numb to the shared life that you have in Christ? Think about this. John invites you and I into the breathtaking wonder of shared life and full joy that he experienced firsthand. That's what we're invited into. And when I say shared life, I mean relationship. And when I say uh, fullness of joy, I mean glad rest. Rest. That doesn't change, that doesn't shift because circumstances get bad. Do we live in the same world? Do you experience good, bad, ugly, all the stuff of life? I know you do. And so when we speak of this joy, it's not a joy that ignores the circumstance, but it's a joy that is real despite the circumstance, in the midst of the circumstance. And we'll see you through the circumstance because it's rooted in relationship with the living God that can't be moved, can't be shaken. And so John is wanting to drive home that assurance, that certainty into the church's hearts that he loves. Don't move away from that. Isn't that why we're here? To put before the people of St. Pete, to put before the people that we love and to put before our neighbors and family members shared life, fullness of joy. Found in Jesus. Don't let the simplicity of what John is saying fool you. It's brilliant. It's breathtaking. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for first John. Thank you for the things we're beginning to learn. Thank you for clarity and assurance. Thank you for shared life and fullness of joy. We want to walk in the reality of these truths. We want to deepen our gratitude. We, we want to be awestruck. We want to stand in awe and, and have this response of worship. Lord, I pray that you would, you know my prayer has been that you would bring assurance that you would bring joy and that you would lead those who have not experienced shared life with you into a living, breathing relationship with you today through Jesus, through faith in him. I ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to just read a couple of verses that Darren talked about. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John 1, 14 and 16, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
15:16 for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace what we heard uh, today is the incarnation of Jesus that he uh, has forever yoked God with humanity that he has made a marriage between the two um, that we would be able to experience his love, his grace, that we would be brought uh, back to him, and that this grace, it would fill us with joy. And we know that that joy, it's completed not just in receiving it, but also in sharing it. And so let us go today um, receiving the joy that he wants to give us, and also inviting other people to share in that joy. Be blessed, church.